0: Blog Talk Radio You're listening to Dot Mill Doc, A product of the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs This show is designed to discuss the topics that concern you most when it comes to military health We welcome your input, your questions, and your thoughts We're glad you joined us You're listening to Dot Mill Docs, a weekly show from the military health system to talk about health concerns for those currently serving, who have served, but are retired, and, of course, their family members. Today, we have a special guest to talk to us about TRICARE. I'm a Ms. Francine Forstel, who is the Chief of Customer Communications for TRICARE Management Activity. In a nutshell, Francine promotes the understanding of the TRICARE benefits She comes to TRICARE with many years of experience. She had served 23 years as an Army Nurse Corps Officer, and six of those years she actually worked in the TRICARE arena. She has currently been with TRICARE for the past five years, so we're very pleased to talk with her today about TRICARE, the TRICARE issues people may have, and to help people better understand their TRICARE benefits. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Francine, can you tell me who is covered by TRICARE? Sure,
1: Lieutenant Craig. This is um, a program that is available to the Uniformed Services. It's really the Uniformed Services Health Plan for active duty members, their families, retirees, their families, certain members of the National Guard and Reserve, survivors, and there are a host of others, and it serves eligible beneficiaries from the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Corps, the um, United States Public Health Service and the National Oceanographic and At- Atmospheric, excuse my pronunciation, administration. So we have a, currently 9.2 million eligible beneficiaries.
0: 9.2 million? Yes, ma'am. That's a lot of people to take care of. Yes, ma'am. Um, but um, with that, and thanks for that great explanation, um, what is TRICARE's primary role or objective for all those 9.2 million people? Well,
1: what we do is we think of ourselves as trying to optimize the delivery of care within the military treatment facilities. We call that the direct care side. There's limitations on what they're able to do, and TRICARE basically serves to supplement what they're able to do. And so we, our goal is to achieve the highest level of patient satisfaction through the delivery of a world-class healthcare benefit.
0: And then um, as far as world, you kind of lead me into the next question. I was stationed overseas, as a lot of military people are, and I know this seems like an odd question, but is TRICARE available worldwide, and are there certain areas it's not available? Can you explain that?
1: No, we look at TRICARE as being a worldwide benefit, and the way that we manage it is currently stateside we divide the country up into three different regions. We have the TRICARE regional north, the south, and the west regions. And then overseas, we basically have divided the world up into three other areas. We have the European theater, we have the Pacific theater, and we have the TRICARE Latin America and Canada theater. And we have offices that work um, at that regional level, at that overseas aerial level to make sure that the benefit is administered the way it's supposed to be.
0: That's a good explanation. And I know that on a daily or weekly basis, uh, you all have a website that people can go to and submit questions about TRICARE and various other subjects. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the questions that I received um, in the course of gathering up questions was, if a service member or the spouse of a service member was in the process of a divorce, um, but that service member was still in the military, will that spouse continue to receive some type of TRICARE benefits after the dissolution of the marriage? Is that something that's covered for that person? Well, it depends upon, because there's a lot
1: of criteria that enter that. And really, that is a question about eligibility. And the one thing that I want the listeners to understand is that TRICARE doesn't determine eligibility. Eligibility is truly determined by the Uniform services. So if you have a spouse, for instance, who's been married to a service member for 20 years, and those 20 years that they were married overlap 20 years of the time that he was earning credit towards retirement, we call it the 20 20 rule, then that divorced spouse will now still be eligible for TRICARE benefits as an unremarried former spouse, and she will be her sponsor in her own right. But let's say she was, they were married for 20 years, but only... Of that 20 years, they were together. Where he was only has only earned 15 years of credit towards retirement. At that particular point in time, that divorced spouse is now only eligible for one year of TRICARE, eligible, Tricare benefits. So, oftentimes, when we get those kinds of calls into the office, we try to tell spouses, you know, before you get that divorce decree finalized, you need to go validate what your eligibility status is what it will be at the time of the divorce decree, and talk to your lawyer about what really are your health care options in the future because it really is dependent upon that relationship that that divorcee had with the sponsor.
0: Okay, that, that makes sense. But you know how you gave the example of 15 years? Mm-hmm. If the service member you know, and the military wife or husband were married for 10 years mm-hmm. or 5, would that, would that spouse still get maybe a year of eligibility? You know, be eligible for TRICARE. I guess they would just have to, like what you said, go see the JAG or the lawyer, correct? Right, they
1: need to confirm their eligibility. And if they do find out, if they were only married, let's say, six years, and they basically are not entitled to TRICARE benefits, under TRICARE, we do have a program that's called the Continuing Healthcare Benefits Program. And it's coverage that somebody has to purchase. You have to pay a quarterly premium, and it's not exactly cheap, but what it does is it will cover an unremarried former spouse, or a former spouse, a divorced spouse, for up to 36 months, again, depending upon their eligibility. And when we explain that program, sometimes what we tell people is you can purchase the coverage, and it's similar to our basic program, TRICARE Standard, and you're going to pay a high premium, but at least you have the coverage, versus if you don't have any health care coverage, you're going to be responsible for the entire episode of health care. So people have to look at their financial um situation if that if the couple divorced and that spouse now has employment under another company and they have health care coverage then that really is not an issue or maybe isn't the best alternative for them. But typically if it's under the 20 or the 15 they really don't maintain Tricare eligibility, but they do have a venue where they can at least get some temporary health care coverage until they get themselves established in
0: some other manner. Okay. And that leads to just one more question that Uh relates to it is um, if the uh, service member, you know, were divorced and that Mm -hmm. spouse was still getting coverage, Mm -hmm. um, but that a divorced spouse marries somebody else who mm-hmm. is TRICARE, then that TRICARE stops and it falls onto that new service member. Right. If she
1: remarries, and it's another service member, you're exactly right, she gets TRICARE eligibility. But if she remarries, if that former spouse remarries, and not, there is no service-connected relationship with the new spouse, she no longer maintains TRICARE eligibility. So basically, an unremarried former spouse who either, number one, remarries, number two, participates in an employer-sponsored health care plan, or if they were married to a NATO or a Partners for Peace member, they lose their TRICARE eligibility at that point in time.
0: Okay. Now, a lot of um, service members and their families travel, so the next question I have as it relates to TRICARE is, what if a service member uh, wasn't able to get an appointment with a doctor at their Naval Hospital, either, mm-hmm. or Naval, or, or just, You know, military hospital. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't get their uh, medical care. So, you know, it all depends if they got confirmation to go to this, you know, civilian hospital. Um, But they received a bill and they have to pay it. Mm -hmm. Can you explain the process of what people should do if there's no uh, military facility or? health facility that they can go to, mm-hmm. how they can get uh, coverage and TRICARE will pay for it?
1: Well, there's two really uh, there's two ways to interpret the question, I guess, coming in. And the first one would be, if they were at a military treatment facility, they typically were seeking care there, and they were, let's say, enrolled in PRIME, which is the managed care option, and they were being seen by PRIME, and they needed to be seen by an orthopedic specialist, but that naval facility didn't have any orthopedic physicians. Then basically what it has to be is that beneficiary's primary care manager, has to put a referral into the system saying, you know, this specialist needs to be evaluated for his knee. Then that referral goes into the system, and first the MTF looks at it and says, oh, no, we can't do this. The referral then goes to our managed care support contractor stateside or the TRICARE area office overseas. And what the managed care support contractor stateside actually does is take a look at that, and they say, number one, is the person eligible for care, and then number two, um, is this a TRICARE authorized benefit? And if it meets those two criteria, then the managed care support contractor issues what we call a referral, and then that member should be able to go downtown. But the member should not seek the care, whether it's an active duty family member a retiree family member or retiree, they should not seek the care until they know that the care has been authorized. Because sometimes we have people, um, they've gone to see the doctor, they've been referred to a specialist, and the specialist can see them tomorrow. But until that authorization is in place, there's no guarantee that it's a covered benefit. There's no guarantee that under TRICARE Prime, you're really supposed to see a network provider. So they might be seeking care from the wrong type of provider. So if they're having issues with a bill, it could be that a lot of those steps in the process weren't followed. Um, And what they need to do is go back to the military treatment facility and find out what happened. And if they got care without an authorization, they're going to pay a higher point-of-service charge because you have to make sure there is an authorization in place.
0: So the key is, and this moral of the story, is to always check if, if the doctor is under the TRICARE provider mm-hmm. and make sure that there's a waiver or something put into the system mm-hmm. before you seek medical care, but mm-hmm. what is it in the cases if you have an emergency?
1: Like- well, emergency care is always covered and oftentimes we talk about, well, you have to use a TRICARE authorized provider and those kinds of things, but what we tell people is when you're seeking emergency care, once you've gone to the emergency room, what we recommend is make sure you always get a copy of the emergency room notes. Because the way the TRICARE process works for paying civilian providers is we really look at the diagnosis and the code that is submitted on the paperwork by the emergency room. And the classic example that everybody always goes in, if you went in with chest pain thinking you were having a heart attack, but then the final diagnosis was merely a viral viral system going on, when that claim comes in, they're going to look to say, well, you know, a viral illness is really not a reason to go to an emergency room and initially that claim may end up being denied so what we tell beneficiaries is if you get that denial what you need to do is appeal that claim and you need to do it within especially if it's payment you need to do it within sixty days of getting it but what we suggest you do is present why you went to the emergency room that you were having chest pain that you thought it was a heart attack attach a copy of the notes from the emergency room admission that says that's why you were coming in And then they will review that case to make sure that it really was emergency care that was being sought. And that's why we tell beneficiaries, make sure you get that kind of documentation, because the initial claim might not show it was emergency care, but the presenting symptoms validate that everyone would have perceived it was emergent.
0: Okay, that's a great explanation. Um, Right now we're going to take a short break to hear a little bit more about TRICARE. More and more people
1: are switching to the TRICARE mail-order pharmacy. The mail-order pharmacy offers convenient delivery right to your door, as well as substantial savings over retail pharmacies. Learn more at TRICARE.mil.
0: We're back uh, for the short break, um, just a little, learning a little bit about TRICARE. You're listening to Mail Docs. Today we're speaking with a Francine Forstel about TRICARE and how the benefits uh, you know, explain about the benefits of TRICARE and that sort of thing. Um, Thanks for your great answer so far, Francine, but I have another few questions, but it deals with uh, if a retired spouse um, passes away, will the surviving spouse still receive TRICARE benefits? Both these benefits stop?
1: Mm -hmm. And the assumption that I'm going to make in this particular instance is as a retiree, you know, he had met all the qualification requirements and she's meeting all of those eligibility requirements that we talked about before. And if she met the 2020 rule and isn't remarried and doesn't have other employer health care, she would still get TRICARE benefits. But there's maybe some things that she's going to be facing, and I'm just going to use she as a more typical answer, that that spouse is going to be facing that maybe they weren't as involved with before because maybe the sponsor took care of these kinds of things. And what's going to have to they're going to have to take a copy of the sponsor's death certificate, either the closest ID card facility or DEERS, because their status changes in the DEER system, which is the Defense Enrollment Eligibility Reporting System, it's where, when we are looking for um, evidence that a beneficiary is eligible, that's the system that we TriCare go in to look at. So first of all, when she presents the certificate, she gets reclassified as a survivor. She's no longer a retiree. she was is a survivor. Really does not change her um, benefits, however. The other thing is that she needs to make sure she keeps her uniform Services ID card current because if it expires, then you get into that whole thing of, you know, where is she in the system? Is she a valid, eligible beneficiary? Um, They need to let their... If they've been enrolled in Prime, they need to let the regional contractor know that the spouse has died, because for retirees, in order to be in TRICARE Prime, which is our HMO-like option, they typically pay a $460 enrollment fee for the year. Well, if, the, if it was only the two of them and the sponsor has died, their enrollment fee would go down to $230. So, again, that's a surviving spouse has to let the contractor know that that kind of um, change needs to take place. The other thing we would like to let the surviving spouse know is that if, if at any point they become eligible for Medicare, whether it's due to a disability or whether they turn 65, under TRICARE rules, they have to purchase Part B when it first becomes available. And what some beneficiaries may not know is that most people used to draw Social Security at age 65 but with some changes in the Social Security Act, there's some people where Social Security will be delayed until like 67, myself being one of those. But they still become eligible for Medicare at 65. And what's going to happen is until they draw any type of um, retirement pay, and typically with a surviving spouse it becomes a little bit more problematic, but what they have to do is as soon as they turn 65, Medicare will bill them for Part B until they start getting it through some other type of retirement system. So that surviving spouse really has to now take on responsibility to keep current with what their TRICARE benefit is, and they either need to call the regional contractor or go onto the TRICARE website and just keep checking it every once in a while because benefits change, requirements change, and they just need to stay in tune with how TRICARE is there for them.
0: Okay, I understand. Was there ever a Part A? I know you said Part B. Is Mm -hmm. there a Part A as well? Well, Typically when people turn 65, um,
1: Part A is, and let me distinguish between the two, Medicare Part A is really the hospitalization side of Medicare, and they're automatically entitled to that. If they've met the requirements, you have to pay in so many quarters to Social Security. And in this day and age, most service members have paid into Social Security. Most working people have paid into Social Security. So most people are entitled to Part A because of their employment history or the employment history of their spouse. And even for this Particular spouse, if their husband dies, she really needs to call Social Security and Medicare to find out how those benefits apply to her in that particular situation. So, once somebody is entitled to A, and that is automatically given to you by Medicare, you have the option to purchase part B, which is outpatient care. TRICARE, though, under a statutory requirement, says if you want to keep your TRICARE benefits, if you're a surviving retiree spouse, You have to purchase Part B, and we suggest you purchase it when you first become eligible for it. Um, There are some people that tend to delay it, but Medicare can charge you some premiums if you don't purchase it when first become eligible. So, again, A is entitled. They're going to have hospital care. To continue TRICARE, they have to
0: purchase Part B. Okay. That's a good explanation. I don't think a lot of people are aware of Part A, the differences Mm -hmm. between Part A and Part B, so thanks for explaining that. Not a problem. But my next question relates to um, what public medical centers can a military member take their families to? I know we talked about emergencies early, mm-hmm. earlier, but if they if they're on vacation and they're not familiar with the area, mm-hmm. um, where can they go?
1: Well, the way that we might. kind of also answer this question is that again, if it's Emergency care, go to the closest emergency room and do what you need to do. But we have some people who um, are enrolled in our TRICARE Prime remote program, which is they live more than 50 miles from a military treatment facility. They live and work more than 50 miles from a military treatment facility. We also have, as you say, when people are traveling, um, they might need care. The child might all of a sudden run a real high fever and they suspect that they have an ear infection. What we suggest a beneficiary do, if it's at all possible, that they really should call the regional contractor, if they're enrolled in Prime, call back to where they're enrolled to let them know that they need to seek care. And typically, they really should be calling their primary care manager to get that same referral and authorization into place. Um, But they need to go to a place that we say is TRICARE authorized. And typically, again, when you're trying to get care when you're away from home, that's not a question that you oftentimes ask. Um, but if you go into either the TRICARE website or if you con- call the regional contractor for where you are right now, they can usually let you know where the nearest acute care center is or a doctor that they have a re- working relationship with it that you could possibly see for that particular condition. Um Let's see, what else do I want to say that when you're traveling? If it's an active duty member who is traveling, he really needs to and is no longer near his military treatment facility. If he's enrolled in the MTF, he should call back. But if he's not and he lives in one of those remote locations, he, and I don't mean to be sexist in any way, it's just easier to talk that way, the member really needs to call the military medical support office to get authorization to get care when they're aware
0: from their primary care site. what else can I say now, about that? Uh, is that office open 24 hours a day? Because you know uh, that office where the military member can call in and check where he can, where he or she can get treated,
1: treated. Normally, they have somebody there. And again, if it's if you sought care and you get the documentation and it was a valid emergency situation, I mean it was a valid reason for seeking medical care. Typically, you really shouldn't have problems with it. But call your regional contractor as soon as you can. You know, once you've kind of gotten over the all the stress of the the condition and what all has gone on, call that regional contractor and find out what you need to do in order to make sure that that claim gets paid appropriately. We also have some members who travel to places where, you know, it's some small country doctor, he's the only one there, he doesn't know a thing about TRICARE and he doesn't even know where to file a claim. So we also suggest that members always know the number of their regional contractor and if the doctor asks them, well where am I supposed to file the claim, Give that provider's office that regional contractor's telephone number, and they can call up and they can get all that information about how to file that claim. So one of the things we also think for beneficiaries, the most important number that you need to know when you're traveling is the number for your regional contractor.
0: And where would people get those numbers?
1: Well, um, a couple of different ways. If you go to the TRICARE website, which is all about TRICARE, www.tricare. mil, tricare spelled T-R-I-C-A-R-E. On that website there um, across the top bar, there's a number that says Tricare Contacts. If you click on that, you will get the number for all the regional contractors, north, south, west. If somebody's enrolled in Prime, there's typically educational materials that get sent out to them on a monthly and or quarterly basis. If somebody's in Tricare Standard, truly going to the website is the best way to probably find that information.
0: Okay, that's very helpful. We're going to take another quick, small break to learn some more about TRICARE. We'll be back in a couple seconds. Okay. If you have a new addition to your family, remember it's important
1: to enroll newborns and adopted children in Gears, the Defense Enrollment Eligibility Reporting System, to establish TRICARE eligibility for well-baby and pediatric health care. Learn more at TRICARE.mil.
0: We're back, and you're listening to .mil Docs. Today we're speaking with Francine Forstel about the issues of TRICARE and benefits for service members and their families. Um, One of my next questions, Francine, is um, will TRICARE or does TRICARE pay for major surgeries and diseases such as cancer or uh, HIV, et cetera? Can you explain Mm -hmm. that? Right.
1: Well, typically the way, the best way to think of TRICARE is that we cover medically necessary services in the treatment of an injury or illness. And a lot of the way that that is determined is that when some, when a provider submits a claim, and basically when beneficiaries are given authorizations, we basically say that there is no guaranteed payment until that claim comes through. Because if a doctor said he was going to do one procedure, and he builds a different procedure, then TRICARE is responsible to look at what that particular service was, is it associated with a diagnosis that came in, and is it a TRICARE-covered service? I would say if you're talking major surgeries, yes, TRICARE does all kinds of things. But again, it has to be for reasons that are medically necessary. Basically, the three things that we look look at when we're trying to determine if TRICARE is a benefit, it, it can't be excluded by law or regulation. And what, you know, we're not a typical insurance company who can determine what they're going to cover and not cover and raise premiums and adjust premiums. A lot of the TRICARE program itself is actually built in statute by Congress. They're the ones that say, who should we cover, what kind of services should we provide, what kinds of things can't we provide? The second criteria that we look at, first of all, is it is it statutorily, um, and regulatory covered. The second thing we look at is it medically necessary and appropriate. And three, is it part of the Tricare program? And um, let me see. We cover most procedures. We cover most devices, drugs, preventive services, well, well child care. Um, before we used to do cancer clinical trials as a demonstration with the National Institute of Health, we now offer that as a basic TRICARE benefit. So we're even talking about when new protocols for treatment of cancer are being investigated. We will now cover those if it is a sanctioned clinical trial. Um, med- most surgeries are covered if they are medical, um, but the things that we don't cover, for instance, is sometimes the way the TRICARE program works also is, is that we don't cover something initially because our goal is really to look at what are the long-term outcomes for that particular procedure? And let's say for gastric bypass, we didn't cover it for the longest time because we really needed to say, is this truly an effective means? And if somebody meets the criteria, long-term, does it really improve their health? But now TRICARE does cover gastric bypass, and we do now even laparoscopic gastric banding. But... Beneficiaries have to meet certain criteria. It's not that we're going to do it because you want to look better. We don't do things for cosmetic reasons. We do it that if you are overweight and you have problems with diabetes and high blood pressure and um, respiratory-associated conditions, then that's when we would
0: cover it. Okay. Thanks for the explanation on all that. I know that you probably get questions on the, on the website um, about these types of issues. And speaking of website, I understand that the Military Health System has a new site. I think it was stood up about a year ago. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what this site is and how it helps users to understand more about military health? Mm -hmm. Well, I think
1: oftentimes if When I was in uniform, you only had the sense that the Army was taking care of me and I was in an Army treatment facility, and that's the only thing that I knew. And then as you have children and sometimes the facilities can't, then you get exposed to this TRICARE thing. And then you have health care that's delivered out in the field. So under Dr. Casell's, we basically came up with, um, and it's always been called this, the Military Health System, but he's come up with a website of www.health.mil. And it is really an umbrella site for the entire military healthcare care system. And TRICARE is just part of that. You have the services. You have the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Coast Guard, et cetera. Um, on that website, Uniformed Services, University for Healthcare Sciences, where we really do a lot of our education and research is there. And in fact, I think next week, Dr. Kilpatrick, who is one of our strategic communicators, is going to be talking about dot Health.mil. Dot, um, health now when somebody wants to go in and really get a picture of all the wonderful things that are happening in the healthcare arena across the military healthcare system, the military treatment facilities, um, our TRICARE program with our contract partners, the things that are going out in the field, our education and research, this is one site that they can come to and get that whole big picture. And then from there, if they want to just find out about TRICARE particular issues and concerns, they can go to www.tricare.mil.
0: Okay, that's a site that you were referencing earlier if people mm-hmm. wanted to know what region they yes. belong to. Yes. Okay. Um, thanks for the explanation about this site. I think it's a great site. And mm-hmm. It's very well diverse, so it's very easy to access. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my last questions uh, for today is, is, what if TRICARE doesn't pay my complete balance on something? I know we talked about... You know, making sure we had the right waiver and mm-hmm. going to the right, you know, clinic and making mm-hmm. sure that, you know, TRICARE knows about it. But mm-hmm. what if all my checks were in order and, but they just didn't pay the complete balance? Mm-hmm. What is my recourse?
1: Well, there's a couple of ways, again, to look at this because think of it, bill charges versus what TRICARE pays are not necessarily the same sort of thing. And then under TRICARE, there's certain times where you as the beneficiary have to pay. So, and waiver is not the right word to be using, it really is authorization. Authorization, so if, thank you. If that's not a problem. If I was referred by a military treatment facility to go see a civilian provider, and let's say I did it under Tricare Prime, again that HMO type option, when I go see that civilian provider, he may bill $180, but Tricare has certain limits that by statute we're supposed to mirror Medicare as often as we can. So we set what we call the TRICARE allowable charge, saying for this particular service, for this particular diagnostic diagnosis and code, let's say TRICARE is only going to pay $100. And for me, what that means is a TRICARE prime beneficiary, I'm going to pay $12 for the doctor's visit and TRICARE pays the rest of it. If I'm a TRICARE standard beneficiary where I say, I don't want to follow all those rules of that HMO plan, I want to be able to go get care where I want it and when I want it, Basically what happens in that particular instance is that, again, the provider may bill $180 and TRICARE allows $100. The first time that you go see the provider, you're going to be responsible for the entire TRICARE amount of $100 because under TRICARE standard there is what's called a deductible, meaning just kind of like your car insurance. You have to pay so much money up front before the government starts contributing its portion and for single people it's normally 150 and for families above well E1's E4's, families it's 150, above E5's and above it's like a $300 deductible. So until you've paid $150 out-of-pocket, you will continue to pay until you pay $150 out-of-pocket. Now let's say you go see another provider, you see him, you've now met your $150 deductible and you go see that same provider again he can, of course, still bail the 180 TRICARE pays 100 and now you're only going to pay what we call a cost share. If you're active duty, you're going to pay 20% of the $100, of the $100, so you are going to pay $20, 20%, or if you're a retiree, you're going to pay 25%, which then, and the government pays the rest. But there is a circumstance where a beneficiary can be held liable for a little bit more, but there's also some safety measures put in. If I, as a TRICARE standard beneficiary, go and see what is considered a, an authorized provider, meaning they have the right licenses, they have the right credentials, but doesn't participate, then some other things apply. If you go to a doctor that participates, that means he's agreeing to take the TRICARE payment as payment in full. But if you go to see and you want to see this doctor and he says, well, I don't participate in TRICARE, the way the billing works is, first you have to meet the deductible. Let's say you did that already. Now what's going to happen with that $180 bill is Tricare will allow $100. And let's say you're a retiree like myself. I'm going to pay $25, Tricare will pay $75. But then, because he's a non-participating provider, he can do what we call balance billing. He can bill me, the beneficiary, an additional 15% above what the Tricare allowable charge would be. Meaning for $100, if Tricare pays $100, he can bill me an additional 15% meaning another $15. So for that claim now, it's billed 180, prior care is going to pay, the government's going to pay 75, I as a beneficiary are going to pay my 25% cost share and my 15% balance billing. I mean I'm going to pay $40 on this claim, whereas if he was a participating provider, I would only be paying 25. Does that make sense?
0: That makes sense, but I know, uh, you know, on a radio show, people you know, will hear this, but, you know, they might want to go more in depth and learn more about, you know, the cost sharing, whether or not they should be on the standard program or, you know, mm-hmm. go see a doctor of their choice. Mm-hmm. Where can they go? And I know that everybody who's a tri- who receives TRICARE, you know, will get a, a yearly – you know, not article, but yearly packet. Mm-hmm. Where else can they go? Go to the TRICARE website? and
1: Well, and this is what we say is actually participating in TRICARE is really um, pretty optional for everybody except for active duty. Active duty members are required to cover TRICARE. So if it's a guard reserve who's coming in, they really now have to follow um, the health care plan of their service. But for everybody else, participation in TRICARE is an option. And sometimes you have to look at the effect What kind of health care plans, you know, health care needs do you think you have? What kinds of things do you think you're going to anticipate? How much do you want to follow the rules of Prime where you have to get the referrals and authorizations versus standard you can go to whomever you want to go to, but you're going to pay a little bit more out of pocket? On the TRICARE website, the www.tricare.mil, there is, um, if you go to Overview, the tab, there is, it says Compare Plans. And what you can do is you can look at how does TRICARE Prime Versus Tricare standard, and you can kind of look at the differences. One time enrollment is required; another time it's not. Um, typically, with Prime, you have to have referrals and authorizations. Under standard, there are certain things you still need authorizations for. Um, there is a limited list, and con- you need to go to your regional contractor to find out what that list is. You need to look at how much can you afford. How often are you going to be seeking? Healthcare. Are you near, near a military treatment facility or not? Because that makes a big difference. Also, our recommendation is call your regional contractor and just kind of talk about what your circumstances are. There's also what we call Tricare service centers by most military bases, where you can go down and sit to um, sit with a counselor and kind of go through that whole process. On www.tricare.mil, um, on the Contact Us Tricare Contacts tab up at the top. If you go to that website down at the bottom, they have Beneficiary Counseling and Assistance Coordinators, another entity that you can call just to kind of go over your life circumstances and what do you think your health care needs are going to be. You can't flip in and out of TRICARE Prime. I have to tell people that because some people think, well, I'm going to be Prime, oh, and then I don't want to follow the rules for a while because I want to just go out and see the doctor I want, so then I'm going to be standard. It really doesn't work that way with Tricare Prime. Once you enroll, you have to stay enrolled um, for a year. You can opt out on a yearly basis, but during that year, you really have to follow the rules of Tricare Prime. So people have to really, it's a personal decision. It really is, and you know, we recommend families sit down and talk about this. Um, we recommend, especially like for in this time of deployment with Guard and Reserve, They can maintain their other health insurance, their commercial plan, if that guard or reservist was working for a company. They can sometimes maintain that, but oftentimes they're held accountable to a higher premium. But if they want the doctors that they've been seeing, if they worry about continuity, they need to sit down as a family and make some of those decisions. And that member who's going away needs to clearly make sure that the rest of the family understands what the healthcare plan is going to be about.
0: Wow. Uh, thank you. Thank you mm-hmm. for explaining that, because I know people will have questions, and people have questions all the time about TRICARE. Mm-hmm. But um, that's all we have for today. Uh, Francine, thank you so much for these oh, you did a wonderful these job with questions. Um, however, for next week, uh, folks that are listening, tune in. Uh, we're going to be talking about the military health system. Um, that military health system, there's a new website that was created about a year ago. If you want to check that out, it's www.health.mil. Um, We're going to be talking about that subject next week. In the meantime, if you have questions or suggestions for future shows, you can visit the Military Health Systems website, again, at www.health.mil. And toward the bottom, you can click on a link and send in your questions. And in the subject line, just put .mil docs, and we'll take your questions or, or your suggestions. So thank you for listening, and thank you, Francine. You're quite welcome, and have a good day, everyone. You too. Thank you, Francine. You're quite welcome, and have a good day, everyone. You too.